This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Well, this week we're finally going to get to a subject that I, I believe was in the original pitch Maybe. Uh, yeah. uh, that we made to each other. Mm-hmm. Was because uh, you love what ifs. Yes. Yes. And and so this was like the first idea you brought to the table was what if the cage had gotten picked up? Yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of the the ultimate what if in a sense because uh obviously the cage was the original concept for Star Trek. You know, in some ways Star Trek in its purest form originally speaking. And, you know, what what exists as the original series is essentially a version which is modified because of compromises that needed to be made in order to placate the network. And while the end result may or may not have been better, which is something we are going to touch on today, you know, it's undeniable fact that what we see in the cage is what was originally intended at least the the closest thing to it that 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 exists right so what would have happened if uh instead of saying this show is too cerebral and blah 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 the studio and the network had said oh my god this is the best show ever go roddenberry well to me i i think we probably would have gotten the same amount of seasons out of it because no matter how many changes there are or weren't, Roddenberry is still the decisive factor and the dividing factor. He would have still, even if the network had had placated to his every whim, he still would have found something to complain about. And and I think they still would want to try to take it off the air. So I, I would give it three seasons. Of course, those seasons would have started in 1965 uh, because the pilot was 64. So we'd have a 65 to 68. I'm not sure. I I don't know. It, it could, if they'd kept the budget up, maybe it would have gone till sixty nine. Like if they'd actually let the quality happen, maybe if the show. I mean, I know that Roddenberry got all the people to write for the first season, based on showing them the the cage, right? He showed them the cage to get him all involved, right? Uh, probably. Or was it where no man? Uh, probably where no man has gone before. More than that. But yeah. So if he'd showed people the cage, maybe he would have gotten, because it was more cerebral, maybe he would have gotten more of the the sci-fi writers that he wanted. Maybe Asimov would have written an episode, that kind of thing. I think with the more cerebral and like the the Jeffrey Hunter and the way that everybody played, I'm imagining something more like Twilight Zone, like even more of an anthology show than what we got. 
we have a, a wider variety of, of, of sci-fi writers, maybe, and they'd each have their own way that they, they thought that things should be done. And maybe it would be, uh, maybe it wouldn't be more popular, but maybe it would have been better, like deeper. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I mean, the, the, the Jeffrey Hunter thing goes a long way into determining the quality of, of the show and, and a few of the other changes which were made. But I mean, going back, I guess, to the first thing that you were saying, um, I don't necessarily agree with you that it would have only lasted three seasons because, uh, well, like, well, you you were the one who pointed out that it would have started in 65 instead of 66. And, you know, it's not that it was sort of like a cumulative time thing uh, in terms of dealing with Roddenberry. I mean, certainly it was. But it's not like the clock on that started with the start of season one. The clock on that, if anything, started with the cage, which is the same starting point for that clock. So even though season one didn't air until 66, even if it was 65, if anything, it would have been better because Roddenberry and the network would have gotten off on the right foot. You know, they, they if they were on the same page as far as how this show was going to go, that's one hmm. less fight that they all had at the beginning. But also, I think even more than that, the relationship, I don't think, would have changed that much between the two of them. But the the success of the show early on, and who knows, you know, maybe, and, and I mean, we, we'd have to look at the math on this one, too. Maybe it would have been a case of the show coming on too early and no one watching it in 65 and that being the end of it right there. But let's assume that science fiction was on the upswing and that you know it was popular in 65 and that called for a second season and all that other stuff um then i think that it would have continued through 69 just like the original series did which means we would have gotten four seasons of the show instead of just the uh the three which we have now but i i wonder like like I said, I don't think that it would be as popular. I mean, if we'd gotten a cerebral kind of thing, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to disparage the the people, you know, the the people watching TV in the '60s. But you know, the people we've talked to, who saw it first run, you know, they were kids. I don't know if it would have had the the cult following. I, it may have been one of those shows that that like people discovered later. Like, wow, this is a really good show in the 60s, but I just don't, I don't think people would have watched it without the, aha, you know, Kirk punched that guy in the face. If it was just a, let's sit around and talk about it. If it was more like Next Generation, I don't, I don't know if it would have worked. Okay, and, and I agree with that, but at the same time, I guess my question is, you know, first off, like, like you were saying, I, I, I don't, if that were the case... Would it still last three years then? Maybe it would get canceled after one. But regardless of that, do you really think it would be that different? The more I think about it, the more I think that... I mean, there's a big difference between where No Man Has Gone before and the, the rest of the series. And so I, it's entirely possible that Roddenberry would have changed a lot more from the cage. Sure, we'd still have number one on the bridge, which would have been really cool. Uh, but you know, Spock could have been all emotional, which 
maybe number one would have the following that Spock got. And it's entirely possible that they'd bring in Nichelle Nichols and Walter Koenig and uh, everybody else. And it would just have, we just have a different big three or hell, maybe they'd bring in uh, DeForest Kelly. He wanted to, he asked DeForest Kelly every single time that he tried to make something, you know, Roddenberry loved DeForest. So it's entirely possible that, that McCoy replaces uh, Boyce uh, when it went to series just like they did from between no man has gone before so it 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 might have ended up being a very similar show but mccoy not being part of the 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 trinity i i think that we would have it would be spock number one and and pike which which could have been a completely different dynamic i don't know if it would have had the same charm that kirk spock and mccoy did I don't think it would be Spock number one and Pike. I think it would be uh, Boyce number one and Pike, because you've got to think about Spock as being essentially a different character. You know, mm. Scott Spock is much more similar to say um, Worf in season one of Next Gen than he is to Spock in the original series. Shouts a lot, kind of worthless. Yeah, I could see that, <laughs> and just kind of a guy in in the in the corner, you know going like the women you know <laughs> and uh that's that's his thing you know but you know the big three i think and, and there's evidence of that in the cage you know there's the scene where boyce comes with his bar and talks to kurt mm -hmm. you know pike pike yes so i mean i don't know i i think we we kind of have to for this for the sake of this take it as you know like I mean, yeah, would Roddenberry have made some changes? Sure. But I don't know. I think you've got to keep the core of what was there, you know, and say like, okay, there it would have been Boyce, you know, and Spock would have been not the logical Vulcan. He would have been the weird, crazy guy with pointed <laughs> ears. So the big change, we'd still have the doctor, the captain. Do you think Pike would have gotten as passionate as Kirk? Like, because I never got that from Hunter. I mean, sure, he shouts about, you know, it being a cage, a menagerie. But, like, he doesn't seem to have the, the passion, or at least Jeffrey Hunter doesn't seem to have the passion that, that Shatner uh, uh, brought to that captain's role. And then with, uh, I mean, Majel, lover, but number one just didn't seem all that interesting to me. Like... I mean, I guess she's supposed to be the Spock, and maybe they would have, like, over the episodes, uh, changed some things. But if we we're just going by everything staying like this, I don't know if it would be as interesting as Kirk, Spock, and McCoy still. Yeah, I agree with you. It probably wouldn't be as interesting as Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Um, but at the same time, I think that they would have developed those characters over time and made them more like the Kirk, Spock, and McCoy that we got, you know? Mm -hmm. It would just be a human woman instead of a Vulcan. And it would be, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, the doctor is the doctor and, and, you know, Pike is Kirk essentially just with a different actor. I mean, I don't, I think conceptually those are the same characters. I don't think that he really set out to do something different when he cast Kirk, you know, when he cast uh, William Shatner as Kirk I think he just changed the name because it was a different actor and everything like that, you know, whatever. But I think especially the fact that they had a lot of the ideas for episodes in place 
before they made the shift, I think it really would have been essentially the same show. And, you know, there's the whole thing. It's like you, you were bringing up like, oh, well, the cage was more cerebral and everything like that. But is it really? Because no, I, I think that Where No Man Has Gone Before has just as much going on in it philosophically as the cage does. And I really don't see there being that much less action. But without the network's pressure to bring in more action, I don't know. I mean, like, if we start too early, we might not get Gene Kuhn. And I really feel like Gene Kuhn brings more to the series to keeping it popular than Gene Roddenberry did. I mean, if we mess with that, if we don't get Kuhn and that and the network doesn't feel like they need more action and humor and, you know, let's go down to a planet kind of stuff, I think we would have missed out on a lot. Sure. I mean, Roddenberry, the first episode he freaking wrote after the pilot was a mega glory. I mean, <laughs> we can't. Which I mean, I'd love to see Mega Glory with Captain Pike. That would be a completely different episode. I mean, there is definitely, you know, kind of like what you were saying um, on the other side of the, would it be Orbit? orbit? Yeah. Would it? Okay. Um, you know, b before we started recording, you know, there is sort of a butterfly effect going on here. And, you know, how far are we going to take it? I mean, that's hard to hell you know i mean that's hard to, to do you know i imagine that if we had someone like mark cushman here we could take it a lot further because he'd be like ah oh, well you know at that point gene coon was under contract and probably right. you know, if you read the memos the guy who they were you know looking <laughs> at getting to it would be this dude you know and then we could start looking at what his work was and saying like oh okay so that's how this show would have been you know it's i mean it's it's almost impossible to to do that stuff but i mean i don't know yeah it it it, it wouldn't have been the same from week to week but i think overall not much changed between the two pilots and with roddenberry essentially overseeing the show and it being his vision i think what we got would have been very similar to what we would have gotten if Pike was in place instead of Kirk. Mm -hmm. So maybe the episodes would be the same, but I feel like Shatner and Nimoy and Kelly being the three main characters is what gives that show its life. I mean, uh, that's what I feel is why we're still talking about it 50 years later. And if we took that away, I just don't see Barrett, Hunter, and Hoyt being that kind of uh, star power. Not star power, even. But, like, if Nimoy was just in the background, I just, I don't, especially Nimoy, as, as much, I mean, because we recently lost him, and we've seen how much of an influence he was on everyone. Without him being in the forefront, I don't know if it would have been as as popular. I really don't. Well, I mean, the other thing that, you know, I guess we have to take into consideration is the fact that these things are not being written or produced in a vacuum. And there was probably a lot of this going on with the original series, too, where you see what works and you sort of course correct based on what's going on on set, you know? Like, you see that uh, Shatner and Nimoy and... um. Kelly have great chemistry 
So you play that up, you know, you, you, you write to that, you write to those actors in a sense, and you write to their dynamic. Whereas, you know, something very similar could have happened with uh, the cast members from the cage, you know, and, and the other thing that would probably happen is something like, you know, we were just making the comparison to, to Worf, something like that, which happened with Next Gen, where Worf was supposed to be just a um, recurring character. And then when they saw him, they were like, ooh, ooh, you know, we need to make him a regular. And and it's quite possible that when they saw Nimoy doing what he was doing or whatever, they would have altered the character of Spock in order to sort of boost his his presence and his uh his uh role in the show you know yeah i could see that so really we're we're basically coming to the point that it's a tv show eventually they would have course corrected to figure out that what they ended up having was what they should have had so it would end up being almost the same show but here's the wrench in the monkey works yeah, which is not a not a phrase. That's something that I just completely screwed up. Yeah, but the wrench is Jeffrey Hunter had a stroke in 1969 and died. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until May of 69, so they would have finished shooting. Right. But what would, would have happened afterwards? Right. If the show was still on, would they have would they have kept going? Would uh like a new captain have come in? Maybe they maybe they would have gotten Shatner to come in at that point if the show was still that popular. Well, I think kind of like you know what what we were saying before and everything. If if history holds out and you know some things sort of stay the way that they are, especially if it was sort of like on the bubble like Star Trek always was, and then your your lead actor dies. I think that's the end of the show right there. Okay. But obviously Star Trek had a resurgence and we can look at what happened with phase two when they almost lost Nimoy and we can see that it would have continued on. Perhaps they would have made Barrett the captain and Hmm. bumped up Spock to uh, the role of, of first officer or something, you know? Now that would be interesting. I mean, who's to say? They probably would have recast. They probably would have thrown someone else in place because, you know, it's not They like... probably would have put another white man in charge. Yeah, yeah. They weren't looking at, you know, uh, the command structure on the show. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they, they would have been like, yes, we need another white guy on board. And, I mean, you look at who was around. And then, I mean, hey, maybe it would have been, maybe it would have been uh, Stephen Collins, you know? Oh, as as Decker or whatever, you know, huh? Young blood, blah blah blah, irrational, very Kirk-like, you know, playing off of that. I mean, I could see that happening. And then yeah. Stephen Collins would be our captain, and then things would be really awkward now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe, maybe him being in Phase Two would have fixed something. I don't know. Butterfly effect. Butterfly effect. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I doubt it. But that's okay. <laughs> we already named it's an episode okay. Butterfly Effect. <laughs> I'll stop shouting it. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, it, it's it's weird. It's weird to think, you know, 
And then where would it have gone? Would it have been as popular with Stephen Collins? I mean, at that point, I think Star Trek would have been a juggernaut just like it is now, you know? Mm -hmm. You think if, like, Phase 2 had happened, I mean, this is going into another what-if kind of situation, but, like, if Phase 2 had happened then, that would have been our, I think that would have been our equivalent of the next generation. And yeah. it would have petered out long before the 90s when we actually, like, had four shows going at once and nine movies and all that ridiculous stuff. Well, it probably wouldn't have happened. It probably would have ended up playing out the same way that it actually played out, where, you know, they, they made a, uh, or they started making a show or whatever, and then they ended up doing uh, the the movie instead, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, would Wrath of Khan be what it was? Probably not. You know, because Major Barrett's not going to be like, kill me. I mean, <laughs> r- what what would Wrath of Khan ended up being? It probably would have been a much more straightforward movie. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the dramatic arc of the movies would have definitely been different. Because a lot of that was based on Nimoy's star power. That was kind of like the key to everything in um, the movies, you know? Yeah. And if Nimoy wasn't the star at any point... He probably would have been like, yeah, I'm coming back. You're not getting rid yeah, of me. of course. <laughs> you know? If there's a steady paycheck involved, I'll believe whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Even that Spock can come back to life. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it, it's it's just... Uh, that would have been different. Would it have been any better or worse? Probably not, you know? But would Nimoy have been directing these things? Probably not. Would no. Spock have died? Probably not. You know? But the Stephen Collins thing, I think, still would have happened. So it all probably would have been good. It just would have been a different kind of good. Yeah, it would have been different. I mean, but it still would have been Star Trek. And we can see from the hundreds of hours of Star Trek, which is out there, that, you know, I mean, there is good and bad and everything, but there's never been like a huge dramatic shift, you know? I mean, I'm talking like huge, like where it's all of a sudden off the rails crazy. And I know people are going to be like, the JJ movies. No. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's, I, I think that uh, it would have been basically the same thing, you know? Would we have gotten Wrath of Khan? No. But we could have very easily gotten something which was equally as good, just in a different yeah. way. So we were talking about, like, you brought up the, the 2009 movie, and, and we keep bringing up course correction. And, and like, the moral of that movie kind of is that destiny is is going to happen. These people, even if we went back and changed things, they're still going to find their way together. And I, I wonder if, I know that it's not... But I wonder if that's what J.J. was trying to say. Even if the cage had gotten picked up and and put to series, it still would have found its way into our hearts with the same, I mean, maybe not the same group of people, but it, it still would have, everything would have turned out all right in the end. You know, you know how much I love those movies, right? Yes. Yeah, I love them with a passion. And yet that element to it is like the one thing where I'm like, <laughs> this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, so if JJ were to come out and be like, you know what, this is all about the cage and how <laughs> things would have gone if they had cast Jeffrey Hunter, I'd be like, all right, it is a perfect movie. Okay, cool. 
Thank you, JJ. Thank you. I like that explanation a lot. <laughs> I wish it were true. I want to believe, but it's not. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But then, you know, when you do have that sort of like clean break of history, you know, and you're able to sort of get through all of the continuity sort of stuff that is associated with the original series and you get into next gen territory, I think that basically in the next gen era and beyond, you end up with almost the exact same show, you know? Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. If, if. Yeah, if the resurgence happened, yeah, it would we would end up with the same thing and would be in the same spot, except that JJ would have a movie with young Pike. <laughs> yeah. So who do you cast as young Pike and young number one? Oh goodness, uh, the girl who plays Peggy Olson as uh, I forget her name as as young number one. I and, can see that. Uh, Affleck. Affleck as Pike? Mm-hmm. Too old. He's older than Pike was in the original series. Is he really? Well, I guess it is their Academy days, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Who would you get as as original Pike? I don't know. We'll have to think about that. If you have any <laughs> ideas, let us know, you know? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I think you could get Chris Pine, really, but I don't know. It depends on if they, you know. Then Chris Pine would play Chris Pike. And all that stuff would be even more confusing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It would, it, would be, it would be weird. Number one. Yeah, I like the idea of, uh, what's her name? I'm forgetting her name now, too. As, <laughs> as Peggy Olsen. That's, that's good. That's good. Or not as Peggy Olsen. <laughs> um, well, that would be good, too. But um yeah, I don't know. It's it's strange. It's strange. All the what ifs, but but yes. Still would have been I think those those movies would have essentially ended up being the same too. But yeah. Cool stuff. Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss, yes. She's also on uh, the West Wing. Is she? Yeah, she plays the president's daughter. I was going to say, does she play someone's kid? Because she'd have to be really small. Yeah, she was like 18 or 19. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like watching both of those shows simultaneously, so it's crazy to see them going <laughs> back and forth. And it's like, hey, she's young. Oh, now she's, you know, not as young. You know, and but her voice young. is a little bit deeper, you know, on Mad Men or whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those people who are interested in seeing what happened with the early voyages of of the uh captain pike crew in the enterprise there is a comic book called star trek the early voyages which despite popular belief is not written by john byrne it's written by dan abnett and ian eddington (laughs) drew's cracking up uncontrollably because i'm uh re-recording this thing because i totally (laughs) messed something up anyway dan abnett uh for those people who don't know uh he along with andy lanning uh wrote a bunch of stuff like legion of superheroes and stuff like that but he's also the co-creator of the guardians of the galaxy so if you'd like to see uh that um what what was going on with with pike and and those dudes check out this comic it's 17 issues and idw did collect it in one of their omnibus things and you can see um exactly all the sorts of adventures that they would have gone on but it it's written to 
fit into the continuity, obviously. Um, so Spock is the Spock that we know and everything like that. So it's not what the series would have been, but it's what the series would have been if someone decided to go back and tell the stories after the original series played out the way that it actually did. And it's actually pretty good. I've, I've read them. I read them when they came out. So check it out. It's good. It's cool. Sounds cool. Yeah. Well, the cage and and it continuing, it's not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Set this movie at the end of the five-year mission. Skip ahead five years, you know, kind of like Dark Knight or whatever, and then mm -hmm. say, okay, we've had all these adventures, blah, 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 and now we're at the end. We're about to go home, you know, and it's been, a, you know, a fun time was had by all. Earl Grey. Again, you know, because it's January, my ship was shot beyond the bounds of normal interstellar travel <laughs> to the center of the galaxy, but we were back in time for tea. The orb. They're they're not even right. thinking about it at this point. Okay, how yeah, do we well, exactly. start the resistance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we do all this? Yeah. Because they yeah. have become comfortable with where they are and thinking yeah. that they're doing all they can, and yet right. we know, as the audience... That they're not. To the journey! I want you to say right now in front of our, our friends, okay? And in front of me and the Lord Almighty, <laughs> what is your favorite season? Okay, this isn't the favorite season. I want you to tell me what your favorite <laughs> season is. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel and Darren, promise we won't ever be like this. The Ready Room. So what's the deal? You know, does Tom have a dad we don't know about? Apparently. Because who was this guy that he was remembering yeah, as his know, dad? Was that Nick Locarno's dad? <laughs> that was Nick Locarno's dad, yes. Commentary, Trek stars. But I mean, here's the question, John. If, if you're living Fight Club, then, you know, we have to ask, if you could fight anyone, who would you fight? William Shatner. All right. Literary Treks. The main storyline here is the battle for the Vulcan soul. They are one of the most logical races, and yet they have an intensely spiritual aspect to them. Axanar, the official podcast. You were there. Mm. How long did we wait for them to try and reach that phone? Oh, there? man, it was, it, was, it was at least as long as the Enterprise penetrating V'ger's <laughs> outer shield to getting into the actual machine core. The 602 Club. So, as far as the realism question is concerned... Um, when, whether or not it's the right thing to do, it's the Marvel way to do it. I mean, I think that's the that's the defining difference between Marvel and DC. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. We have some feedback that I've been sitting on for a bit. Uh, it's from Christopher Lehman from florida and he says hello again drew and mike i recently listened to the podcast about aspect ratios i really enjoyed the information which mike clearly presented good for you mike oh thanks i have a unique perspective about the topic in 2009 i lost all of my eyesight before this time i was merely suffering from low vision and watched movies with very few problems however i had a very strong dislike for widescreen here's why 
I agree that the widescreen aspect ratio allows for all the on-screen action to be visible for the viewer. However, top and bottom black bars decrease the size of the overall area of the picture. This makes seeing the movie more difficult for people with visual challenges. Full-screen movies use most, if not all, the viewable area on the television, which is easier to see for individuals with poor eyesight. Here's another way to illustrate my point. Place a magnifying glass on a document or book page and then move the glass closer and away from the words. As the magnifier moves closer, the words become smaller but more visible. This is analogous... Anal analogous? Analogous. This is analogous to widescreen. Now move the magnifier Ana far away from... Hmm? An analogous. Ana ana analogous. Analog. Analogous. You had it right the first time. Analogous. 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 No, I can't say it. Analogous. Analogous. This is analogous to widescreen. Now move the magnifier away from the page. The words become larger, but less is visible within the magnifier, similar to the full screen aspect ratio. A larger size full screen is better for people with low vision complications. Now that I've lost my vision completely, I have a new experience. There's a service known as descriptive audio or descriptive video. It, the Star Trek Into Darkness DVD has this feature. Watch the movie with the feature on and your eyes shut. The experience is really cool. Keep up the great work, Christopher. P.S. Is it too much to ask for a Braille Hooters restaurant? <laughs> well, thanks, Christopher. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I can see what you're saying. Um, you know, it was weird. Uh, when, when I first sort of got into widescreen in a big way when I got Laserdisc and stuff like that, I would have these fights with my uncle who hated the black bars because he wanted the image to fill his screen. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense what you're saying. You're seeing so much more of the picture when it's letterboxed. You can see everything that's on the sides. And he's like, you're, you're thinking about that just in terms of uh, the spatial you know, qualities. You're not thinking about it in terms of like what's inside the image. And I could say that I'm say, seeing more of the image when it's filling the screen because even though I'm missing the sides, there's a higher resolution. So I'm seeing more picture, it, but in terms of like depth. And that's kind of like the same thing that uh, Christopher is saying. And, you know, when he said that to me, my uncle, I was like, you know, you're right. And he's like, what if there was a filmmaker that wanted you to to see the movie that way you know would you still do this letterbox thing you keep on talking about like director intent and stuff and i'm like yeah no no you're right and that's actually sort of like had a big impact on me that's why i bought the pan and scan version of uh, all the james cameron movies on laserdisc because james cameron was saying the same thing that you're saying christopher you know and uh you know that's that's cool and obviously you know, it, it, it totally makes sense what you're saying. And as far as the descriptive audio thing is concerned, um, I've seen that, you know, I don't know uh, how familiar you are with this, but um, most movies which are released in theaters now have that as well. Um, I, I work at a movie theater and we have uh, these these headphones which people can use and you can actually, you can either have, you know, one for, it'll just be the movie audio, but it'll boost it. But there's also like a second channel where it'll be the description. So you hear the movie as it's playing through the speakers in the theater, but then you'll also have a pair of headphones on, which gives you the description. And I have like watched pieces of movies while listening to that. 
and it's so strange but i'm like this is it is you know and and like the descriptions i'm sure that it varies from movie to movie depending on how good the person who's you know writing the description is but it's pretty spot on you know and that's one of those things where you know there's all this debate and certainly i've gotten into this debate before myself where you know people are like film is better than digital digital is better than film and there's all this stuff going back and forth and then i see something like this and i'm like all of that's kind of insignificant when you know a a good portion of the population would obviously benefit from stuff like this you know and closed captioning which is another thing which we can do now no problem so you know maybe digital is the way to go maybe complaining about the grain structure is really not necessarily as important as making sure that everyone knows what's going on in the movie. You know what I mean? Hmm. So, hey, there you go. And uh, and Netflix is adding descriptive audio. Yeah, what, Daredevil is the first thing that they're doing? Yeah, right? That's which, cool. which is, is very appropriate. Yeah. Did you see the, the fight? Did you see Daredevil? I've seen the first uh, eight episodes. Okay. Well, the, the hallway fight scene at the end of the second episode, did you see, like, people... Uh, cut it out and put it on youtube the descriptive audio of that oh really oh yeah it's it's really neat like matt you know matt is pushed up against the wall but then he punches the guy really hard i mean it's a lot better than that yeah but it's like a deep you know deep low gravelly guy yeah sounds like you know a comic book narrator yeah uh it's it's really cool yeah yeah for sure well thanks for writing christopher uh thank you very much and if uh you'd like to write us and let us know about your descriptive audio, uh, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. And, you know, you can actually send us descriptive audio by using the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, which we'll play on the air. Let us do that once. Yeah. Or you could talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekfm, and on Twitter under username trekfm. Hey, Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Oh, you can find me here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek Stars with Max and John. And you can also find me on my own website, commentarytrackstars.com, doing commentary track stars off-topic and commentary track star babies with Max and Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-U-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks, and more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive or Federation, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? I have a book called Star Trek The Last Roundup. Uh, It's written by Christy Golden, narrated by David Kay. It says, Having saved the Federation one more time in Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country, Captain James T. Kirk and the crew of the USS Enterprise have finally gone their separate ways. Spock, McCoy, Sulu, and the others are spread out across the galaxy, pursuing their individual destinies until an interstellar crisis touches all of their lives. Bored with retirement and ill-suited to teaching at Starfleet Academy, Kirk jumps at the chance to help his nephews colonize an uninhabited planet in a distant corner of the Alpha Quadrant. 
He even manages to persuade Scotty and Chekhov to come along for the ride, but Kirk soon discovers that the hardy human colonists are not alone on the planet they call Sanctuary. An alien race, of whom little is known, has also established an outpost on Sanctuary for its own mysterious reasons. Suspicious, Kirk investigates only to discover a terrifying threat that strikes at the security of the entire Federation. Light years from Starfleet Command, without a ship or a crew to call his own, Kirk thinks he faces the menace alone, yet the bonds of loyalty transcend even the awesome distance of space, bringing together a legendary crew for one final fantastic voyage. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you get to read, and the latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. for being our associate producer. You can find him on Twitter at rut. 8972. And if you want to join him in supporting us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash trekfm. There you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer for our shows. You'll find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Next week, we'll have Andy back on for her thoughts on Season 3, so so that'll be fun. K- keep an ear out for that. For sure. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.